is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be with you again this week. It's uh, it's a beautifully hot week. We, we haven't had rain, David, in about... Um, Four years. It seems like it. Uh, but uh, Thursday and Friday, it's supposed to rain. At least that's 60% chance, which is more than we've had uh, for a while. But as a result, my garden's looking a little haggard. And uh, you and I were talking off air. Neither one of us spent a lot of time weeding in the last several weeks. But my tomatoes are going gangbusters. And I got to tell you. Do you grow your garden? Do I row my garden? Oh, yes. Yeah, I I, I row my. No, no, no. I I use. uh, I actually divide my 50 foot wide garden into three quasi equal sections uh, and then go the long way, the 100 feet the long way. So I've got. uh, you know, 25 rows long and about 15 feet wide. So well, you're, you're much more serious than I am. But uh, I, I, You just throw seed you know, out into the garden and see what grows? I mean, you must be doing something. <laughs> Pretty close. No, no, I, I, I do rows, but uh, I've got a much, much smaller garden than you do. But uh, the weeds have just, and grass has gotten in. Uh, yeah, I let that happen last year, and I didn't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I hate I'm safe to say it's all my organic friends, but I'm going to round up that stuff <laughs> before yeah. the seeds come out again. Um, you know, the thing is, the grass doesn't usually come up until July. Yeah. It's usually really good, nice and clean, easy to control. But what, the week you don't, in, in July, the week you don't hoe is the week you, you lose your garden. Well, I, I, you know, well, yeah, I've lost the carrot, basically, to we, to grass. Mine are hidden and, in uh, there. You can find them in there. Yeah, yeah, that that's describes mine. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know what that uh, I don't know what our gardening has to do with immigration. Well, and, I will uh, tell you, it has a lot to do with immigration because we're growing the future of America here. That's what immigration is. We're growing the future of America. I would like to get a few undocumented in my garden right now. Well, but, you can uh, get some, you can certainly clean that thing up. We know yeah. that. Um, you know, I, it's really been interesting to listen to the presidential campaigns. Now there's 17 major GOP candidates, yeah. which makes for an odd number on a screen. You know, they have that one guy that hangs off the edge. I don't even know the last guy's name. He was just, I think he's some dude from Florida. I, I don't even remember his name. Uh, but it looks like the debate uh, will be, uh, what, this Friday? Is it this Thursday. Friday? There's Thursday. This Thursday. It's the first one. And, uh, this ter- the first debate. And the top ten will be limited. And it looks like Mr. Perry might not might not make that debate. Might not make the cut. I know you're very shocked by that as a former Texan. I know you're a huge fan of Rick Perry. <laughs> well, actually, he does make the debate. And this is—I don't know why people—I don't know why people are not picking up on this. But uh, there are two debates. One is at five o'clock. Oh, that's true. There is one at five o'clock. True. And then there's the the big debate. Now, that, the uh, one at five o'clock might be more interesting because you're going to have Rick Perry in there. I think what, Rick Santorum will be in that, right? Probably. Yeah. And um, which of the other folks from the clown car are going to be in there? I don't—I don't even know the other candidates. Oh, Pataki will be in there. Uh, you might have some very interesting debates in there. Um, uh, at the 5 o'clock one. I wonder if you're in this... Now, Trump is hilarious. This is what, one of the reasons that Donald Trump is such a breath of fresh air in this debate, although I reiterate that he has no chance of becoming president of the United States, uh, is that uh, he's not preparing for the debate. And I love that. I love not preparing for a debate. I said, what are I prepare for the debate for? What are they going to ask me? How I'm going to do my stuff? I'll just deflect it. <laughs> what do you mean how I'm going to do it? Does it matter how I'm going to do it? It's just going to matter how I'm going to do it. The Trump's going to do it. The Trump says he's going to do it. Trump's going to get it done. That's all you got to know about the Trump will make it happen. He t- <laughs> this morning I was listening to him on one of the morning shows, and um, they said, you know, you, you indicated previously that you were going to win the Hispanic vote. 
Um, and uh, uh, the poll came out yesterday. It says 75% of Latinos have a negative view of you. It doesn't matter. I'm going to win the. I'm going to win the Latino vote. The Latinos are going to vote for me. All of them. In fact, I'm going to win the black vote too because all they care about is jobs. And he said, he said this. Trump delivers jobs. That's all you got to know. Trump. They want jobs. Trump's got them jobs. That's what's going to happen. So he's doing. He's really ripping a page out of whose playbook? Bill Clinton. It's the economy, stupid. Just focus on the economy. Focus on jobs. None of these other guys are talking about social issues. They're worried about Planned Parenthood and whatever crazy stuff's going on over there. You know, they're worried about the Iran deal. Jobs. It's about jobs. That's what American voters care about, particularly those that you want to drive to the polls. If there's a chance that you can create jobs for them, you know, Bill Clinton did not win a majority of the American vote back in 1992, uh, thanks to, was it Ross Perot, I believe? Uh, Yeah. Uh, But the people that voted for him voted for one specific reason, jobs. They're going to bring jobs. The economy is going to be fixed. I'm going to fix the economy. So it's, it should be a very interesting debate. Now, yesterday, David, they had a pre-debate. It really wasn't a debate, though. It was like a, a, a town hall forum where I think most of the candidates were there, except for Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> Trump. You don't need to be there. Donald Trump does not need to be there. Uh, oh, no, the the, the uh, airfield, the, the landings. It was too small for the, for the jet. jet. Yeah. Too small for the jet. Uh, what, I, what I love about him is when he talks about himself in the third person. Yeah. I just think that's awesome. <laughs> and I, what I love is that in the middle of, the, of this whole campaign, he flew to Scotland to go to the Women's Open at Turnberry, a course that he owns over there. I thought, wow, good for you, Donald. Presidency's important, but golf, of course, is far more important than the presidency of the United States. Well, I think there's a president sitting in office today that feels like golf is more important. That would love to than, go to Scotland to play golf. Yeah, well, I think he thinks that golf is more important than uh, taking care of his country, too. Well, I don't know if he thinks that, but certainly he likes golf. No doubt about it. I understand he's not really very good, though. That that is what I understand as well. I heard he actually kind of sucks. And uh, that he Uh, has to, maybe he's practicing every every day. You know, I hate to accuse him of cheating, but I'm going to guess he puts the. Gets takes a couple of mulligans around and you think I do think so. I, I, a foot I would, wedge occasionally. I would not I mean, bet against you. No, I think a foot wedge is definitely coming to play there. As uh, the rules of golf, probably a little little flexible around around the president. Well, everything else about him is a little seems flexible. To be rather a little flexible. flexible. Uh, you know, so this uh, last night at this town hall uh, event in New Hampshire, the, the the initial issue that they all latched onto, oddly enough, was immigration. So once again, immigration, who everybody thinks is not a really big issue, is the number one issue talked about by the GOP presidential candidates. So David, I kept thinking about this. If we are only, if, if all Trump's saying, I only meant the rapists were illegal immigrants. <laughs> so if we're only talking about illegal immigrants, that's 11 million people, maybe 12 million. Maybe there's more, maybe there's less. Let's say, let's say 11 million. In the United States, we have 300 and what, 15 million people or so? So we're talking about less than 2% of the population. Why? Is it because, David, you know, why the focus on this? Is it the symbolism of undocumented immigration? The, the symbolism being we don't have control of our country? Is that, is that what, what drives this? It's a little unclear to me because I don't understand why the hyper-focus on illegal immigration, uh, which has some derivative impact but not really enough to affect in large measure the U.S. economy, and they don't talk about things like public education or, or health care. Well, I guess it's talking about Obamacare. Although Ben Carter came out yesterday and said, Obamacare? 
yeah, we should re- we should get rid of it, but only after we replace it. Yeah, finally, somebody in the GOP says, okay, there are some things we like in that. You know, everybody wants to keep their kids covered till they're 26. Everybody wants to have uniform premium. Okay, that everybody wants to transfer their their insurance one to another without pre-existing. Okay, those are good ideas. Let's do it a different way. Now, of course, he hasn't proposed the actual different way they're going to do that without a single payer, which is the only other flexible alternative. I know you're a big fan of having nationwide health insurers. I agree. I, I don't think there should be limits by the state. I think that's kind of crazy. But that gets into and approaches what is clearly becoming a single payer. I, I'm a big proponent of capitalism and competition and being able to buy your insurance from anybody you want to buy it from. And uh, let well, the open we can't market do that take right care now. of itself. But, you know, no, is, that, was that, is that the Fed's problem or is that a state problem? No, it's a Fed. Well, it's... Uh, it's both, both, isn't it? It's yeah. both. They won't let you cross the lines. Uh, so that's a Fed. The states um, haven't pursued it to get it where it's open. Right. Uh, so you know, I, I, I want to go back to your thing about you know your violin on immigration, and uh, I th- you know I think this is one more example of the media controlling much more of our lives than it should. Mm-hmm. They uh, they make it a focus point. They make it a focal point. Uh, you know, every why time do you think I'm, they do that? Because they get so much juice out of it. Because it just it gets people angry. They're going to go to the website. They're going to buy the yeah, newspaper. Uh, yeah, I think I think that. And what is it? Uh, um, uh, blood reads, you know. So uh, you look at the uh, undocumented that have committed murders, but they've committed less murders than than U.S. citizens. Than, uh, all of the murders that are committed a weekend on the weekend in mm-hmm. in Chicago, right? But it's it's uh, and yet nobody says what we're going to do about Chicago. Yeah, you know, let's ignore that. Let's focus on the one. And a, a tragic as it is, let's focus on the one. Which, which is apparently just a one-off. I mean, it's apparently just a... And, and the immigration issue, in my opinion, is not near as horrendous and horrific as the Planned Parenthood thing. Uh, you know, I, that's just mind-boggling. And for, the, for us, to, the Senate to pass their funding yesterday is just beyond... Well, you understand money. that there's no federal government money used for abortions. You understand that, right? <laughs> there's not. It's against the law. It's the Hyde Amendment. So no money that Planned Parenthood gets from the federal government is used for abortions. So where does that money? Where does that it, half it's a private pair. go? What half a million dollars? Half a, half that, a billion. That goes to health care for women because Planned Parenthood is the number one provider for health care women in America. Which I don't think they're providing health care when they oh. send them out to an, have an abortion. Well, and the, the, the baby abortions smart. account for less than three percent of what Planned Parenthood does. Hmm. I, I, uh, they, 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 they engage in edu- public education and individual education counseling on, on birth control. So you're for Planned Parenthood? I, I'm neither for nor against them. I don't know enough about them, but I know the facts. And the facts certainly aren't in those videos, which were extraordinarily highly edited. You know, what, what I'd love to see is let's, let, if these people really believe they said that, turn over the whole tape. Why do we have to watch edited videos, David? Well, if they weren't the truth... And and Planned Parenthood did get an injunction against them to stop view, stop mm-hmm. showing. They them. did. However, where is the lawsuit against them? Where, well, that may come. I mean, lawyers don't file lawsuits. Most lawyers aren't stupid enough to file a lawsuit overnight. They're going to take the time to put together litigation. Um, but what's interesting about the whole Planned Parenthood thing is that it also touches on immigration. Who goes to Planned Parenthood? Poor people. You know, a lot of times as a, as a, as a middle-class white American guy, 
we tend to forget that most people don't live our lives. They don't. Uh, they live lives, some of them, of, de- of quiet desperation. Uh, they live lives where they desperately need care. Uh, they lead lives where they really can't get uh, the assistance they need. And Planned Parenthood is one of the places they go, besides the emergency room, to get medical treatment, um, particularly for women. I mean, they special, that's their specialty. I mean, uh, it, it, to me, David, it is not as, it's not as black and white as the evil people at Planned Parenthood. Uh, we have created a system in America which keeps poor people poor. And anybody says that's not true is, is smoke and dope. We have a system that keeps poor people poor. You need to get a better job. Oh, by the way, we're not going to have any transportation for you to get to your job. Find your own car. I mean, how can you get a better job if you can't hop on the bus that takes you to the better job? I mean, these are the things and, we, and we, who, we ignore as a society. What political party has been the leader in doing exactly what you're saying? The Democrats, unfortunately, because Republicans have been doing it. Absolutely. By promising and not providing. Well, exactly. But the Republicans don't even promise. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. They, 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 there's no meeting of the minds. As, as the society that we live in, as wealthy as we are as a country, regardless of what our debt is, we are a wealthy, wealthy country. To allow people to not have opportunity because either the color of their skin or the status of their birth is something that's offensive. And immigration is one way we can use to fix that problem. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. I've got a new program starting here June 12th at 11 a.m. It's called The Prologue, and we'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. Join us, won't you, starting June 12th, 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and the Immigration Hour. David, it's always good to be here with you on a beautiful, beautiful morning. Um, hey, uh, I have a question for you, David. Would you be willing to be an immigration judge? Would I be willing to be an immigration judge? Of course not. Why not? Talking about totally unqualified, and I (laughs) I think this is is a problem. Plus, uh, I mentioned this on another show. Uh, You know, and and I mentioned, well, you and I talk about this as you're going out the door every day or every after every show. You know, immigration, and I, I used to think that it was just immigration, but it's not. It's it's. 
this administration has been able to pull the wool over our eyes on almost every topic. And your your question there, would I be willing to be? No, uh, for many reasons. Obviously, I'm not qualified to do anything of the such. The other portion of that is the uh, the amount of of cases that these judges were so inadequately filled with judges in uh-huh. those positions is just incredible. Let me ask you, what do you, as a layperson, what, and you've been on this show now for a number of years, what do you think the qualifications should be for an immigration judge? <laughs> From a lay, lay perspective, uh, what, what should the qualification, besides being, you have to be a lawyer, obviously, okay? What well, else? You know, an attorney that has practiced in the field of immigration, not you, not just some uh, an attorney that's uh, been an ambulance chaser, uh, quote-unquote. Uh, or JAG. Or JAG, you know, I I don't know that they get into it. I guess a I guess a JAG officer could in some cases potentially. Well, they don't touch immigration um, cases, but you know, I I agree that you should have to have immigration experience either in the some kind. public sector or the private sector. Mm-hmm. That is not a requirement to be an immigration judge. I'm sure not. No, no. In, Breathing, in fact, I think, is isn't it? Breathing is breathing, and not and having a bar license that hasn't been revoked, and a passing a government background check. That's about the three criteria. Well, here's what's interesting, David. Right now, uh, in America today, there are close to half a million cases pending in the immigration courts. There are, I think there's 44 or 45 different immigration courts. Okay? Right now, there are 250 federal immigration judges in the United States, handling close to a half a million cases. Uh, This year, 100 of those judges are up for retirement. This year, big wow. problem. Wow. Now get this: since 2007, the immigration court backlog has almost doubled, while the number of immigration judges rose by 15 percent. So they had like 20 judges, and their workload went up almost 160 um, percent. Right now, the U.S. government is trying to hire 68 new judges. But the government hasn't been able to deploy enough staff. Look at it, put a major strain on the system. So this is this is actually there is a higher traumatic stress and burnout rates among judges at, than prison wardens and busy hospital doctors. Wow. Well, Hearing, you know the answer, don't you? What's that? The uh, Obama's answer would be turn it over to the IRS. The IRS probably be much more effective at doing this kind of stuff, wouldn't they? To get this, one of the judges in a survey said, hearing asylum cases, especially the ones in which the witnesses testify credibly, has affected my view of the world. Citing tales of homicide, rape, and organized crime, I have lost most of my faith in humankind, and I fear deeply for the future. You know, it's interesting. I've heard those cases, too. And I have great faith in humankind. I haven't lost my faith. And I think what this, this is judge is emblematic of the problem. They don't realize that a person who escapes from that is the future of, of mankind. That they come here for a better life. They come here to change what they have seen and what they have heard. Um, one other person wrote, I have been in government service for decades, including combat duty, and I have never, this is a judge, I have never detested a working environment more than I do in this capacity. <laughs> okay. Then quit, damn it. Quit. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Of and you have an extremely large practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that practice, and I would say immigration 
law practices probably so different from every other kind of no, legal it's completely practice, unrelated. Yeah, uh, that that so you you push everything aside, whether it's a closing practice or a criminal practice, uh, you know, whatever. But how many percentage-wise, how many of your cases? Can really be settled outside of court. No, you've got none. to have. They don't settle cases outside of court. That's yeah, the so they all have because they could. If the service, if the U.S. If, if ICE would take a more expansive view, as they've been instructed to do, but which this office does not do here in Atlanta, a more expansive view. Say, look, you know, you have a single mom. Uh, she's got four kids. We're going to agree to a grant in this case. But you know what they do? They make you go through a whole hearing, waste four hours of this time, and they think, we have no objection to a grant. What the hell did you do that for? They don't do pretrial conferences. No, no, oh, we're as overworked as the judges. Well, not really, because you have two to three trial attorneys for every, go- for every judge, which means you have a third of the caseload of the judge, which means you could probably eliminate today a third of your caseload by simply meeting with the opposite side's attorneys and agreeing to a resolution. They came to me, and I had a single mother, and I put together, here's my case, presented to the government lawyer. Do you agree with this? I agree with it. Great. Let's go. Judge signs off on it, and it's done. Judge could do 50 of those cases in a day. Why aren't they doing that? Job security. They're afraid. If you can believe this, I've talked to some of them. They're afraid that if they're too generous, they're going to put themselves out of a job. I said, you, you really believe that you're going to run out of people to deport? You're smoking dope. In your lifetime, you're smoking dope. Even if they amnestize everybody that would be eligible, you'd still be left with several million people who are not going to be eligible for amnesty. Trust me, you're going to be busy for the rest of whatever career you think you're going to have here. So it's really stunning to me uh, to, when you answer your question, you don't settle stuff out of court, which just brings more pressure to bear on these judges. It's But there's no reason you couldn't. Oh, no. Absolutely you could. Or you get the case, you say, you know, as an immigration lawyer, okay, I know my client's got no relief. Okay, well, you have a talk with your client and you say, okay, you have no relief. What do you want to do? You can agree to leave or we can fight your case because fighting is going to take a couple of years. It's going to cost you this amount of money. You're going to lose in the end. Now, in the day, you might say, okay, well, it's worth the fight. Great, then you fight for it. And you bought your client a couple more years in the United States. But if the government would come in and say, I'll tell you what, we're going to administratively close your case for two years Give your client a work permit, and then we're going to come back and look at it again in a couple of years and see what's going on in his life. You know, you do it for qualified people. They've been here a bunch of years. Maybe they don't have kids. Maybe they, maybe they do have kids. Maybe they qualify relief. Maybe they don't. But you could do a whole lot more with a whole lot less uh, than they're currently doing. Uh, I blame, of course, the administration. Uh, and it's, I, mean, I, I talk about, I'm not about Obama. I'm talking about the whole administration of the system. The leadership at EOIR is simply not doing enough to, to modernize the system, to stabilize the system, and to prioritize with the judges what their workloads need needs to be. And what was the acronym that you used? EOIR, the Executive Office of Immigration Review. That's a, a, a part of the Department of Justice. You see, the, the immigration court, that's not a real court. Okay, It's not in the judicial branch of the government. It's in the executive branch of the government. It's part of the Department of Justice. Within the DOJ, you have the Executive Office of Immigrant Review, Review, which includes the immigration courts. So uh, what's really fascinating is the the wait times have gotten longer and longer. For example, in Colorado, the longest average wait time for a hearing is 850 days. 
three years? Almost. Three years. Yeah. Three years. Now, we have people that have been set for hearings in November 2019 here in Atlanta. That's a placeholder date. A placeholder for what? For example, our immigration court in Atlanta has five courtrooms. They're all full. We need probably four to five more judges, really, to have a rational court here. Four to five more judges. They'd have to move, which means they got to go to different office space, which means they got to build it out, which means they got to hire more staff. Now, if you if you were looking for a job in the government, and you read a review that said, uh, "I have never detested the working environment more than I do in this," would you want to get a job there? Monumentally unhappy people. I mean, they look they make the USCIS look like a, a wonderland of fun and joy, and everybody I know hates working there too. So this, this whole thing with the judges is, um, is dangerous in many ways. Um, Jeff Joseph, a friend of mine in Colorado, said this. Uh, it's, not just, it's just not wise enforcement. It's actually dangerous, the way they're going about this court stuff. It's just absolutely insane. So to put these judges... Now, I have friends that are judges, and they're, they're good judges. They, they try their best. But this just sucks the life out of you. It just sucks the life out of you. And then, of course, you see not only the, the meritorious cases, but you see the fraud. The massive amount of fraud that is committed by people, by some lawyers, by non-lawyers, to try to game the system because the rules don't work in their favor. Now, the rules, if properly interpreted, would work in their favor, but they're either poorly interpreted or poorly written, and therefore they encourage illegality. The laws encourage fraud. The laws encourage people not to follow the rules or give the perception that it's not good to follow the rules. And if you bend the rules a little, you'll be okay. And all that goes back to how this is administered. And thus, you have an Executive Office of Immigration Review, which very poorly administers its offices, very poorly vets the judges that it hires, uh, and allows judges to literally run roughshod and rogue over the Constitution of the United States. For example, there's one judge in uh, in Texas at a detention center, David, that did not grant an asylum case last year. Out of a hundred cases here, are you telling me that a hundred out of a hundred people walked in your courtroom and none of them had a valid case? How is that even statistically possible? It's not. Therefore, you have a judge that comes in with monumental bias against immigrants. What kind of person is that? You want a person like that on the bench? You don't want that person on the bench in traffic court, let alone in somebody which determines whether somebody lives or dies. One of these judges uh, in, uh, in Oklahoma recently denied a guy asylum a couple years ago. He was a Mexican police officer, honorable guy. He feared the cartels. He had a good case. Frankly, some judges would probably would have granted the case. He ultimately went back to Mexico, as he was ordered to do, and he was dead three months later. Killed by the very people he feared. I hope that immigration judge loses sleep every night for the rest of his life. But he won't. But he won't. So there's just there's just real fear out there, David. There's real fear in people. And when you have an immigration court system that is simply not up to the task, what you're dealing with as a result is a system that lends itself to be gamed and abused and manipulated by both sides. And it's crazy. For, I'll give you a great example. Here in Georgia... Uh, let's say you get convicted. I have a young woman who's convicted of possession of drug paraphernalia. Uh, the, uh, it was a plastic bag. 
Now, we talked in our show several weeks ago about a Supreme Court case called Maluli, which said that a possession of drug paraphernalia is not necessarily a drug-related offense, okay? Because it was a sock. So you're going to be deported because you have a sock. You're going to get deported because it was a plastic bag with no drugs in it, okay? But it had a trace element of something in it. And it was her house. She wasn't home. She'd actually been out of town, and she was a battered woman. But the police went to the house uh, on a tip. Somebody was living in the house. She was renting the house to somebody. And they arrested her because she was there that weekend visiting to see how her house was doing. And then she ended up pleading guilty with a really crappy decision by, by a lawyer to possession of drug paraphernalia. She's married to a member of the United States Coast Guard. Active duty. The government wants to deport her. Why? Why? She's a battered spouse. That's an approved battered spouse petition. Married to one of the Coast Guard. The conviction is no longer a drug offense. And why do they want to deport her? Well, she's illegal. But she won't be if you agree to close her case and allow us to get her green card again, which we'll be able to do because of the Supreme Court case. They're, they're actually fighting this, David. They're actually fighting this. Why? Why? Because they, have nothing, because they fear for their jobs, they won't have enough to do? I mean, it's just, it's absolutely the worst use of government resources. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Bureau of Indian Affairs, but it's one of the worst uses of government resources I have ever seen in my 25-year career. I guess we should take a break here, David. Uh, it's probably about that time yes. on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. David, I want to tell you that there actually is a presidential candidate proposing a specific solution on immigration. Does that surprise you? Yes. A specific solution. Now, of all 17 candidates, who do you think that would be? Donald Trump. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. He's not even a real candidate. Come on. But he so, may be your next president. Yeah, <laughs> I can assure you that Donald Trump will not be the next president. That would guarantee a Hillary victory. Even even Mike Huckabee says that. Or, and certainly Rick Perry believes that. So which of the 17 – let's let's say take Trump out. Which of the 16 remaining candidates do you think that might, might actually have a plan? I, I haven't heard. All right. Know. It's going to be George. It's going to be Jeb. I almost said George. It's going to be Jeb. Jeb actually has a real plan um, that honestly is realistic in addressing border security and illegal immigration. Um, 
border security with new roads. So you're going to build roads along the border. One of the biggest problems, David, on the border in many places is it's so rural and so remote, there's no way to get there other than walking. Uh, and we just can't, I mean, now there, there are places where people die as a result. But putting roads all on the border, of course, would make it easier to get people, uh, pick people up. New technologies, continuous exp- if surveillance. Bush says he would also crack down on sanctuary cities and send those who enter legally but then overstay their visas. Now, David, this, this particular point um, is uh, really interesting uh, about monitoring people who come on visas. Let's take an example. When I go to Italy in, uh, in September, and by the way, I'm really looking forward to going to Italy in September, uh, we will stay at a hotel. When I get to the hotel, the very first thing they'll ask me is not for my credit card. They will ask me for my passport. passport. My passport. I take a copy of the passport. Uh, almost all European countries do the same thing, and many other countries I visited do the same thing. Uh, now, some countries actually hold your passport. Okay, until you're ready to go, and they give your passport back to you. Others just take a copy and just notify the local constabulatory folks about that you are in town. Uh, now, I've never overstayed a visa in any country, so I don't know that I would become be, and be picked up. I imagine places like Japan does a really effective job of that. But think about it. We get 35 million visitors to the U.S., and almost 40 million now, visitors to the U.S. every single year. Uh, and every single year, a small number of those couple hundred thousand, overstay their visas. Okay? How do you track them? What, what, he's, he's talking, we're going we're gonna to make sure people are, are deported who overstay their visas. How do you track them? Uh, an RFID chip in their neck when they walk in? You know, kind of some of the Star trek kind of thing? No, that's probably, people probably object to that. We probably don't have as many visitors coming to the United States. Um, how do we do it? Make them wear a bracelet? Make them report every month? Uh, so I'm, I'm curious as to how he's going to see who overstays their reason. Now, one way to do it is this. One thing we don't have right now, David, is an exit control system. We have an entry control system, but no exit control system. In 1996, Congress created a requirement of the exit control system, but has not funded it for the last 20 years. So there's no funding to establish this. So think about Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. You would need to build an exit You'd, first of all, you'd have to have planes only leave from one place so that once you got past exit control, you couldn't get out of the airport. Um, and if we had an exit control place, how much would it cost? Let's see, how many international airports do we have? How many, how many airports in the U.S. have international flights leaving from them? hundred? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. hundred? That hundred's a wild guess, right? Some are much bigger than others. So we need bigger facilities than others. But how much would it cost to build? No, I'd say there's many more than that in that you can almost have a puddle jumper uh, airport be international if oh, they yeah, have if you one. Oh, fly to southern Arizona. Yeah, or, uh, Texas. so they can say they're international if they yeah. fly to Mexico. So you'd have to have exit control for them. So how much money are you going to spend to put exit control in all the airports? Now, one thing you'd, of course, do is you would charge the travelers, right? You'd add another tax on top of the international travel fees that we have for coming into the airport. So i say... Let's say, be generous, $2 billion. So Congress has to allocate $2 billion. Now, of course, Congress can't allocate $2 billion because it can't raise taxes. That means they've got to take it from somewhere else. But let's say we did. Let's say we built exit controls in all the airports, and we now know who has left the country. Now, right now, I will tell you, the folks at Customs and Border Protection will tell you, oh, we know who leaves the country because they get the flight manifest from all the airlines. 
Do you think that's an accurate reflection of who leaves the country, David? I can assure you it is not. Because I have had clients who have been shown online as having left the country who are still here. Because they never got on the airplane. They didn't get on the airplane. They booked the flight. The flight took off. They weren't on the airplane. They just left the airport. So I think one thing you could do, if you have a system in place, you would now narrow down who left to, you know, let's say a half a million people. And because people are required to fill out where they will be in the U.S. when they come in, when they apply for entry, you technically could go to the hotel or you could go to the house where they said they were going to be and look for them. But really, we're going to send immigration agents out to a half a million homes every single year looking for people who didn't leave? Wow. Talk about a terrible job. That might, and we're going to arrest them and put them in jail, which would be good for the private prison industry, uh, and then eventually deport them. Of course, when they do that, when they overstay a visa, of course, they're entitled to a court hearing in front of one of the 250 judges who aren't able to do their job because they're absolutely overwhelmed with their work, which means they'll stay in jail longer waiting for a court hearing, which will cost us more billions of dollars. So, Jeb, is an interesting plan, but I don't see any way that you're going to have it carry into effect yet. Now, on the border, Bush is calling for, and I love this, a forward-leading, forward-leading border patrol agents who would be at the front line of the multi-layer defense in depth, where additional lines of defense increase the likelihood of deten- detecting and apprehending illegal crossers. Now, this, I think, is a fascinating idea. Now, David, you were in the military, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I assume you rose to the mighty rank of inf- infantryman. <laughs> Is that about right? Mm-hmm. Now, I have not been in the military. My dad was, but I have not been in the military. Do you, in the military, put all your guys in one line when you go to battle, just right across the front? What do you do? Spread out. You spread out and you stagger them, right? So that you have troops behind troops behind troops. So there's a front line, but not everybody's in that front line. They might be 10 yards or 20 yards or 2 miles or 5 miles behind that next line. In case the line ruptures, you have backup, right? That's kind of how it works. So I think this is an interesting idea that you have Border Patrol agents at the border. You also station them. Now, right now they have checkpoints, but they're not really stationed out there. They don't have detection devices much beyond the border. But he's talking about having... Our border security posture, as nimble as the cartel's ability to shift operations to different areas. Uh, Bush believes that the U.S. does not have enough surveillance along the border. We can leverage technology to constantly watch the border, develop intelligence, put our agents and resources where they are most effective at preventing and apprehending illicit border crossers. Now, David, are you aware of a new technology uh, that, uh, that has come out where you can literally walk into a theater... And as you walk in, your face is scanned, and they know who's in the theater. You know about this technology, right? Facial recognition technology. Um, I wasn't they, aware of it, but I'm they, they employed it at the Super Bowl, yeah. looking yeah. for potential criminals, and actually arrested a couple people who had warrants out for them at the last Super Bowl hmm. from this. So that technology is live today. Okay, it, it's good enough to put into effect today. So if you began using that scanning technology on on at places on the border, even in a remote desert where the data transmits to the satellites above using battery technology that needs to be recharged every few weeks. You guys, you become, you become agents, you become battery replacement people. And you can track who's coming in. You've got pictures of their faces. 
You begin creating a database. You work with foreign governments. Say, hey, who's this person? Who's this person? Who's that person? And then we'd have evidence if there's, in fact, jihadis coming across the border. We'd be able to see their faces. This is the type of thing that he's talking about. And, you know, I, I'm not going to argue that against it. I think it's an effective way to try to secure the border. Fences and barriers are, are, are difficult. Uh, and uh, removing restrictions make it difficult for agents to access federal lands, of course. Now, Bush then goes on to the interior defense, where his plan would be for a strong e-verify system to ensure that American businesses are not hiring the immigrants. E-verify is an internet-based system that allows businesses to determine the eligibility of their employees to work in the United States. Employees should not be penalized. Employers should not be penalized if they use e-verify in good faith and receive an in- incorrect eligibility confirmation. Well, they already aren't, so that I mean that's fine. Identity theft protections are also necessary. Finally, with an approved e-verify, the government must enforce penalties for violations, which I will tell you Obama is actually doing. I mean, you can whine about Obama all you want, but he's actually is going after employers. I, I represent a number of them in their defense. Uh, he also called for increased funding for overstay enforcement, which we talked about. He called for withholding federal enforcement funds from sanctuary cities that undermine federal immigration laws. Um, although I know of no city that's actually undermining federal immigration laws. When somebody is arrested who's, un- who's undocumented, ICE has the ability to get a warrant for that person's arrest and give it to the jails and we have a warrant for his arrest. And the jails have to comply. But when ICE comes in and puts a detainer on somebody, hey, we'd like to talk to that person. Federal judges across the country have ruled, you hold somebody according to that, you have violated their constitutional right, and yourself are held liable for false imprisonment if it turns out they're wrong. So ICE needs to do a more effective job and, and instead of being lazy because detainers are the lazy way to actually get arrest warrants. They can get arrest warrants. They can work with federal judges and immigration judges and get these much more quickly. Um, and so Bush wants to expand state and local police to help with enforcement, which I think is stupid. Um, when I was governor of Florida, state was a trailblazer working with the federal government to enforce immigration laws, which they've now cast aside because it doesn't work. So, I mean, he's got some interesting ideas uh, which were really, you know, rehashes of old stuff out there, except for the multi-layered, I do like that, multi-layered border enforcement, which they may already be putting into place as we speak. But I find it interesting that at least somebody's coming forward with a border security plan and an immigration reform plan. Now, this article didn't talk about what his reform plan will be. Apparently, that's going to be today uh, what, as part of his, the rest of his six-point plan. Uh, but I'm curious to see where he stands on the legal immigration side of this and who he's, you know, who he's willing to let into the country. I think it's going to be fascinating um, that, uh, I mean, I know he, he's for a path to legality, uh, and he says the idea of self-importation of rounding people up is not an American value. Uh, Americans reject the idea. Um, so he talks about having you know, a boost to the economy from having legal immigrants come into the United States. Uh, I, I'm going to look forward to his plan today, to the detailed presumptive of his plan. And I think what he does by releasing it two days before the primary is he puts himself head and shoulders above Walker, who just wants to deport everybody and close off immigration to America, which is monumentally stupid, um, and Trump, who has no plan. Trump has, he has no plan. No, he's already said it. He has no What's his plan? He's a wall builder. He's going to build the greatest wall. wall who is paying for the wall? Mexico. Mexico's, he's going to make Mexico pay for the wall. That's what he said. I, I'm sure that's going to happen, David. Mexico's going to come and say, oh, Mr. Trump, I like you so much. Can I pay for your wall? No, they're not going to do that, David. Well, it's his plan. You said he had no plan, but... 
He's public. Uh, he has no plan based in reality of the world in 2015, perhaps. In feudal times, a king could make somebody else build a wall for him. That doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't happen anymore. I was just addressing what you said that he had no plan. We got to take a break. All right, let's take a break here on the immigration. We'll be back back with our last segment. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back for the final segment of today's Immigration Hour, David. It's, uh, well, I got myself worked up there for a second. You, got, you <laughs> kind of got me going. Um, now, I got to tell you, David, we talked several weeks ago about the immigration, about the federal court judge in Texas who wanted to hold a contempt hearing and have uh, DHS Secretary Jay Johnson there to explain why the USCIS ineptly granted work permits, people that shouldn't have granted work permits to, for three years. Uh, well, they both sides have now moved to set aside the, the contempt hearing, and he may still have it because I think the guy's a loon. Um, but what's interesting is they filed an affidavit saying, hey, judge, we rounded up all but 50, all but 25 of the work permits that we sent out that were for three years instead of two years. The last 25 people, we literally just can't find. We don't know where they are. So we have canceled their DACA. And they're now barred from getting DACA in the future. Now, there's, they, may have been, they may have died. We, don't mean, we just don't know where they are. But here's the best part. But, in another part of the other, but we got to tell you something else that we did. Apparently, after you barred us from issuing three-year work permits, a software programmer reprogrammed some of our software and 50 additional three-year work permits were given out that shouldn't have been. And we want you to know we're tracking those down too. Isn't this just stunning? I mean, the level of incompetence of this agency is just stunning. I bet you Jay Johnson is stunned by the level of incompetency of the agency that he oversees. It's just, it's just got to be like, you did what? You did what? I mean, it's just stunning. I, I don't disagree, and, and, but that's seen throughout government. Now, the one question I would have is, did anybody profit by that era? I don't think so. I mean, anybody get a bribe? No, I think this, it appears to be just a stupid move by some contractor who thought he was doing what he was supposed to do. I mean, that's, that's the way it kind of came out. Um, and, um, you know, I just think it's absolutely fascinating that we've got really the situation where um, 
incompetence. This is the agency that's going to run legalization. <laughs> Should scare everybody. That's actually my biggest fear with with a legalization program. Uh, are they even capable of doing it? Right now, David, I've filed recently for a, a, a fellow who's a recent graduate of, of tech with a PhD, who's now a professor at a prominent university in another part of the country. We filed to classify him as a person of extraordinary ability. He has six patents. Uh, his uh, work, his published work, has been cited by dozens of prominent other people. Brilliant man. Uh, a great. It's a, it's actually one of the best extraordinary ability cases I have ever submitted to the Immigration Service. And yesterday we received a 15-page request for evidence saying, yeah, you, you show he's pretty good, but you need to give us more information to show he's the best of the best. Wait a second. He, first of all, he is the best of the best. You, didn't clearly, you either didn't understand or you didn't read what we wrote. Um, and two, these are the people you should be keeping in the United States, not chasing from the United States. So it's absolutely fascinating to me that we are, uh, that this agency is allowed to run roughshod uh, over the law. And they do it every single day. Uh, for, and a great example just happened recently. The H-1B visa, which is a temporary working visa uh, given to people who uh, uh, have a bachelor's degree and whose job requires a bachelor's degree, uh, occasionally those people will move within a company. They might move, let's say, from Atlanta to Charlotte to another subsidiary of the company or another location of the company to do work. And the rule has been if you move locations, you're required to follow to file a, labor, a new labor condition application to show that the person's wage is correct for that area. But you haven't necessarily had to file a, an update with the Immigration Service. Well, last week, or about a week or so ago, the USAIS comes out and says, you know, we changed our mind. We're going sh- to make everybody who's ever moved while they're in an H-1B file an amendment. David, we're talking about maybe 100 to 200,000 cases where there are filing, massive filing fees involved. And for what? And they're going to make this retroactive. For what purpose? For what purpose? And who's going to check all these? Well, who's going to check it? One. Two, who's going to profit from it? The USAS, because they're, they're fee-driven. So they're going to be able to make money. For them, it's a moneymaker. Maybe we'll do this. I, I think it's a criminal act to do this, to punish U.S. employers who use H-1Bs. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's just crazy. Just absolutely crazy. Um, so, uh, in, in a way, I feel sorry for Jay Johnson. I'm, I'm sure he knew that, that USCIS was in his agency, that ICE was in his agency. He didn't realize how dysfunctional I think they were. You know, DHS is routinely rated as the worst agency to work for in the federal government. Hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, but really, it's just, it's just crazy. Now, David, I do want to get back to Donald Trump for a second because something just came on the wire here. So, a new report is out about the cost to build the fence uh, uh, that uh, Donald wants to build. Any idea what, what that costs? Take a, take a wild guess? No, no wild guess? $20 billion to build the fence he wants to build on the southern border. That's not the northern border. It's just the southern. 20, and that does not include maintenance and staffing. $20 billion. Why don't you know at the same time? Like I said, we, he doesn't have a plan. Why don't we mine the harbors on the east and west coast? 
Oh, that's a great idea because we need to cut off America from the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's just stupid ideas. I mean, the isolationists, uh, they, they lost at World War II. They hopefully will lose. I mean, they never, they're like a whack-a-mole. you got to continuously whack them down. Um, but the reality is for these people is you, you propose a wall, but you don't propose really a solution. And it, how big is your wall? How wide is your wall? How easy is it to get over the wall? Who owns the ladder company in Mexico to get over the wall? Uh, without really focusing on the core, the core problem of illegal immigration, which are countries sending us their people who are either afraid, who have fear, or who can't get work. So if we could help our neighboring countries and others around the world improve their living conditions, improve their safety conditions, we could probably do so for far less than $20 billion. Um, that's that's what I'm hoping to hear from the debate tomorrow night. Now, David, are you going to watch the debate tomorrow night? Is that on your uh, on your radar? No. You're not. Wait a second. You're not going to watch the debate? No. Why wouldn't you watch the debate? Past my bedtime. It's past your bedtime. Well, you're going to DVR, not the five o'clock one. It's at seven the five o'clock. O- the five o'clock. It's at nine. Oh, it's at nine. Well, how are all the GOP people going to watch it? Aren't they like all over sixty-five going to bed at nine o'clock? Probably. Only the ones on the East Coast, David. Ah. Only the ones on the East Coast. It's 9 East Coast time, right? Right. On the West Coast, it'll still be 6 o'clock, so all the cranky people will still be up for the most part. They'll even be, in Arizona, they'll be back from their their early bird dinners already by 6 o'clock. Or their border patrol. Their border patrol. Um, uh, There is is a movement afoot, though, David, in Congress uh, to... Maybe drop an immigration bill. Maybe do something here. There is a, a couple of very important immigration programs that expire in September. Uh, the E-Verify program expires in September. Uh, and the EB-5 program expires in September. Uh, and the Religious Worker program expires in September. Um, and uh, they all have to be renewed. They've been renewed every three years like clockwork. I'm just curious uh, as to how, if they will attach anything else to this. They'll attach anything else to this, because um, they have the Iran thing to do. They're still, you know, going crazy about the Planned Parenthood thing, um, and um, I'm just curious uh, what's what plan they might come forward. I'm just hearing rumblings out there. They're gonna, they're gonna, they might try to do something quick and dirty here before before the election to try to get the GOP to try to get both an enforcement, some enforcement done, but also to get uh, some. Uh, uh, some benefit side stuff done. If a candidate Thursday had a plan, besides a wall, but had a plan, an extensive plan, one, do you think they'd be given time to explain it in detail? At the, at the debate? At the debate. No, because uh, they're only going to oh, get in the minute, okay, right? So the first question is no. Secondly, of the people watching the debate... And they will be your more informed folks anyway. I, I can't see many campus kids watching. I can't see oh, no. many. I can't see that 52% watching the debates. I agree. So you'll have a proportion of that audience that will be watching the debate. If someone had the time to give an extensive program, how many of those 48% would even understand what they're talking about? Well, if they're smart, here's what I would do as a debater. Now, I don't have a little bit of time to talk tonight, but I want you to go to jebbush.com slash immigration. 
And there you will see my six-point plan on immigration, which includes increased border enforcement, increased interior enforcement, and increased focus on ensuring that employers are abiding by the law, together with a plan to get legal, to create a legalization program, not citizenship, but a legalization program for undocumented immigrants. Go right now to jebbush.com slash immigration. I bet you he would spike. I, I think you should email him that. Or he would send spike him immediately. Do they totally. still have wires? Can you still send a wire? Wire. Send a wire to him right now. Maybe I'll tweet him. Jeb, post your website on the debate. I mean, if I was him, that's what I would do. So I don't have time to explain it in detail, but all my details are right there. we got to have a plan. Talking about building walls, talking about deporting everybody, that's not a plan. That's an angry response. It's not a plan. Let's talk about being an adult and have a plan. Good response. It's not bad, huh? Yeah. So I'm officially announcing my candidacy for the presidency of the... <laughs> David, it's been a good week. I, I, I am looking forward to Thursday night. We'll talk more next week about Thursday night and uh, see where they're going. Uh, see what they come up with and see what kind of um, uh, now there should be some good foolishness too uh, and is this before a live audience or is this not before an audience hey, it's before an audience Okay. Uh, are they going to vet people before they come in are they going to let, let crazy people walk? hey come in and just or are they looking for the plight of plotters no I think they're going to vet people very closely yeah because I think they learned their lesson in 2012 right yeah. let them die yeah that's a great idea let them die all right. So it's been a good week. We'll be back next week on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. If you have any questions, comments, or you'd love to be on the show, call me uh, or email me at ccook, C-K-U-C-K, at immigration.net, or call me at uh, 404-949-8154. Till next week, this is the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. This is America's Web Radio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.